I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. This podcast contains humor and comedic elements. The views and opinions expressed by the guests and the hosts are for entertainment purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the official policies or positions of any past or current friend of the program. Listener discretion is advised. I've been sleeping here instead. I've been sleeping in my bed. Sleeping in my bed. Oh, man. Love those guys. Oh yeah, Sean, you got a lot. You're a Lumineers fan. Oh, of course I am. Big time. Big time. All right, let's get on with this. A lot of great bands from Colorado. That being one of them. A um, little bit, little highlight of my weekend. I got to see our good friend Johnny Monaco. Oh yeah, he is now the lead guitarist for uh, Stephen Piercy, the founder and lead singer of Rat. So, are they still called Rat? No, oh. Stephen Piercy of Rat. Oh, that's, I'm okay, sure there's okay. some legalities uh, there of sure some sort. So, uh, how was the show? It was amazing. And I got to tell you, um, so they were kind of like the, the whatever, the opener, I guess. And uh, Vince Neal was the, uh, was the main, main event that evening. And uh, how was he? He crushed it. I cr- really? Yes. Yes. I saw him like four years ago, pre-COVID, like do his little... Uh, yeah, his show, you know, at these smaller venues, and he was horrible. I mean, he was like fifty pounds heavier than he is right now. Couldn't hardly breathe. Couldn't get through a song. It was absolutely horrific. So the only reason I went to this show was to see Johnny Monaco, of course. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, we'll stick around for Vince. You could just tell everybody in the crowd's like crossing their fingers, saying a prayer, like, please let it be a good Vince. Please <laughs> let it be a good Vince. And uh, thank God he came out. And I'll be honest with you, he absolutely crushed it. That's cool. Just played a shit ton of Motley Crue songs. The the crowd was into it. It was great. Nice. It was great. How about you, Sean? What's new? Oh, not a whole lot. Not a not a terribly busy weekend. You know, kind of hung around, did normal stuff. Yeah. Uh, trying to gear up for this upcoming uh, next week is Ooh, a big week for big everybody. Week Actually, no it's a big two weeks for for yeah. us with uh, between the Open and the Super Bowl and mm. then Geo Week. I mean, Lock buckle up. Yeah, between now, up. And now and two weeks, it's <laughs> yes. going to be a test to our uh, fortitude, mainly my liver's fortitude. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hey, did you hear about those monkeys that escaped from the Dallas Zoo? Is that the ones with the weird uh, eyebrows and the <laughs> yes. or the mustache? Like, those How things the are crazy. How does that happen? I thought they were not, I didn't think they escaped. I thought they I, were taken. I heard, because I Googled it, I'm like, did they really escape? I mean, first of all, how can that happen? But you're right. I heard that they got uh, maybe stolen, monkey napped. I don't know what you call that. <laughs> monkey napped. <laughs> no idea, but I thought it was a pretty funny story. And then uh, put on the uh, primate black market to, yeah. uh, for, uh, to yes. see who, who was interested. And <laughs> who knew there was one? I, uh, there has to be one. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's going to take these guys. Oh, God. So funny. We also have uh, our good friend Michael Thompson with us. Michael, you there, buddy? I am. Man, it's Great so to good to here, see you. Yeah, it's been a while. Been a while. How have you been? Oh, I've, I've been uh, not sleeping much. I got a mm. three-month-old daughter yes. that's keeping me me up at night. Congrats. Thank you very much. Very exciting. And what is this young lady's name? Heavy. What is it? Chevy. How do you spell that? C-H-E-V-I-E. Like, think Chevy Chase. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Where did, so where did that name yeah. come from? From my wife. Interesting. <laughs> oh no, she uh, she had it in her head. She did meet yeah. somebody named Chevy in her life that okay um, was a uh, uh, left an impact anyway. So yeah, that's for where sure. That name came from. 
Super cool. Well, congrats on that. That, that is well, really so exciting. Much. Really exciting. And health-wise, I know you had some back issues a while back. How are you doing with that? Oh, I'm doing great. So I'm, I'm bouncing all over the place. I'm surveying. I'm swinging sledgehammers and digging nice. holes. You know, I'm doing good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good to hear it. So we're going to do something a little different here, Sean. Okay. I am. You're unprepared (laughs) for this. Unprepared and excited at the same time. So we have a a new friend. Uh, His name is Brandon Hurtado. All right. Uh, He reached out. He he does uh, land survey comics. I thought it was appropriate for our guests this evening. Okay. But he does like the drawn comics that not the comic, but the comics, you know what I'm saying? You mean like the ones that used to be in the Sunday paper? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. But cool. they're land survey specific. I've seen a few of them. They're pretty good. All right. So, Brandon, uh, welcome to the Geoholics. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Now, Brandon was a little nervous to come on the shelf. I had a conversation with him last week. He's okay. like, ah, you know, I'm not really the face of the operation, this and that, you know. And I'm like, just send me some things you want to talk about. You'll have all week to prepare for it. Uh-huh. So so here we are. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he's totally prepared. Absolutely. So, Brandon, um, first of all, why Survey Comics? Where did this idea come from? So, uh, I really love Survey. Um, I worked in many positions, you know, before Survey, just trying to figure things out and I fell in love with survey. Okay. And so I've met a lot of people who have gotten in survey and, you know, they didn't get very far. They didn't know about what was next. And so they left and I felt bad that they never figured out, uh, you know, what is like, what is really land survey. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I could make something comprehensive, you know, and easy to consume media mm. for people. Gotcha. Very cool. So I, I, I was going to ask you who your audience is, but I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Your audience is, of course, uh, uh, you know, people that work in the in the survey world, survey right? Survey professionals. Yeah. My audience uh, target is actually outside of land survey oh. because most of my comics are geared, are really watered down in the hopes that other people can understand and say like, well, what, hmm. what is this? You know, I can post it anywhere comics are. And people can say like, "Oh, I don't even—I don't even know what this is," and and they never do. Uh, but there is there's two parts. There's just the the very easy to consume. You know, layman can uh, read the comic and and have a good laugh. And then there's a technical side, where we're kind of trying to give people an idea. Like, it's not that hard to go a little further if mm-hmm. you wanted to you know, get out of the field. Maybe. Very cool. So tell me about who is this person? Uh, is it? Him in him, I mean, it's spelled N H I M. Who is this person? That is Nim. He actually isn't, yes, he is an international um, graphics designer who is my friend. He actually lives in Vietnam. Okay. He studied, uh, he got his bachelor's in the UK, got his master's in Australia, and he was already making comics. I liked his work. We talked for like years and then I'm like, I got an idea. Would you like to help me out? And he agreed. Hmm. That's exciting. That's exciting. So how do people find your comics? So uh, thanks to uh, your uh, um, help, I did, I was able to get an Instagram. It took a while, but we are now on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Reddit. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We have our own personal website, which is actually about to be revamped. And what is that Uh, website? That website is landsurveycomics.com. Simple, easy enough. So how do do people find you on other social media platforms? 
All right. Well, I am Brandon Scott Hurtado, and you can find me there. That is a very unique name, but apparently Brandon Hurtado is not. <laughs> there are three of us. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Always something. Nothing's ever easy, right? No. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Brandon, hey, thanks for taking a few minutes of your time to join us and tell us about Land Survey Comics. Um, and we look forward to see what's next for you. Thank you so much. I have just one more plug. Please do. If uh, We have a Teespring. If you want to try uh, helping us out, we are selling some land survey specific merch on there. Mm. Uh, you can find, unfortunately, the link is complicated. If you uh, go to any of our social medias or the website, mm -hmm. it is uh, there. And we have some nice stuff. And thank you so much for having me on here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, thank man. you. All right. Uh, Sean, tell us about that opening number. Okay, as you mentioned, that is the Lumineers, uh, and that was a song called "Ho Hey." <laughs> um, uh, my wife's gonna love this quick story. Uh, I was a big Lumineers fan, and I may have overplayed their uh, first album a oh, little bit. Easy because, to do. Uh, yeah, when they every time they come on now, my wife makes fun of me of, of uh, how much is like, oh, is that the is that the Hay song? And uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, Lumineers, American folk rock band formed in Denver, Colorado, in two thousand two. The band consists of Wesley Schultz, who is on vocals and guitar, Jeremiah Freitas drums and percussion maybe and lauren jacobson on violin they're best known for their hit song ho hey which was a commercial success in 2012 and that's been a long time and has since been used in numerous films tv shows and commercials their musical style is characterized by the use of acoustic instruments mm. such as the cello and mandolin and often features upbeat sing-along choruses indeed. indeed i can i can attest to that I, I i love the band and it's one of the few bands that i love that i've never seen Ah, okay. Yeah, I've not seen him. I don't think I've seen him either. <clears throat> well, next time around, we're going. We're going. There we go. Book there it. we go. All right. We are, of course, in the Diamondback Lancer Bank studio once again. And uh, we're going to move on to the Airworks somewhat random trivia. Producer Sean, what you got? Somewhat random trivia. Okay. I We were talking the other day, and... And uh, this is going to be a special one for you, uh, maybe a slight repeat, but I was going to go into a little talk and a little trivia knowledge about the Gunter's chain. Mm. Uh, if you're a surveyor, you probably know, and if not, you probably were told at one time what a Gunter's chain is. And it is a chain that is 66 feet long. Mm -hmm. And... That chain is used, obviously, for survey purposes. Uh, but there are a couple other things about how that, you know, uh, Kent, real quick, I would like you to tell us, I know this is my random trivia, but I would just like to test your initial knowledge on the Gunter chain and why it's important in survey. <laughs> You're totally putting me on the spot right now. I know. This is your segment. I know it is. Oh, my gosh. Well, it was You like, don't like surprises, do was, you? No. It was like the unit of measure, basically, when the original surveys were done. Um, you know, depending on where you live here in the States, I mean, it could have been done as early as like the early, mid-1700s up to, you know, the late 1800s here in Arizona. Um, but it was it was the chain that the, the first surveyors used that they stretched mile at a time, north, south, east, west. And keep in mind, think about this, they had teams of surveyors doing this. And they had their, their compass, their staff, and their pulling chain through the woods, the valleys, the mountains, the swamps, you name it. 
they pulled chain through it. And uh, like I said, they did it mile by mile. And many of those original markers are still there today. That is correct. And it is very exciting when you happen to find one of those original markers. No yes. doubt about it. So the uh, the original and all that that is exactly correct. Uh, all the uh, a standard surveyor chain is a hundred links, measures sixty six feet <laughs> or twenty two yards, and one square chain equals four hundred eighty four square yards. Ten square chains equals an acre. Ten square chains. Ten square chains. Two hundred eight point seven one feet, I believe. I believe that is also correct. Um, I. So uh, a couple other things that you may not know about this. It's named for Mr. Edmund Gunter. He was a, he's actually an English guy. He was born in 1581, clergyman, mathematician, astrometer, all kinds of crazy stuff. Wow. Here's some other cool things. He, that wasn't the only thing he invented. He also invented Gunter's Quadrant, which was made Basically, to help measure uh, like angles of the Earth, and that's right when mm. we decided that it wasn't flat; it's actually a globe. So it helps measure positions. Or is it TBD? <laughs> uh, and also, Gunter's scale and Gunter's scale was actually the predecessor for the slide rule. Wow. Did not know that. Yeah, pretty pretty popular guy. Uh, a couple other things. One thing I thought was really interesting was so, and it was really this. The chain was used predominantly when in the you know frontier zone you know, era of uh, the United States. Mm. It was the crown was basically giving land to private private citizens. Sure. So in order to calculate or kind of section off mm. that piece of land, they use this Gunter's chain and, you know, yep. as we said, 10 square, these chains is an acre, but they weren't always exactly accurate. And actually some mm. of the early surveyors would add a couple links to each of the chains. Bastards. So they would actually give more land to the private citizens from the quote crown. Hey, everybody's got a price. And they actually went back. And when they do a, a, a let's use this crazy words, survey grade survey. Mm. They actually can tell how some of the early <coughs> surveys and land splits were a little bigger than they should be for that very reason. Interesting. So crazy. Hey, Michael, how about in, in, uh, in, in, in your neck of the woods, where was the chain used initially? Oh, absolutely. The DLS system, Dominion Land Survey system was laid out with the chain. Um, just we have 36 sections per yeah. township, just like you do. Okay. And uh, I'm also an engineer. And one thing that engineers do in Canada, they might in the US now, is you have this iron ring designed by Rudyard Kipling and an oath written by Rudyard Kipling, seeing Ben wrote the Jungle Book. And it's to protect the public. And when you take this oath, you are holding a Gunther chain. Oh, that's cool. That's pretty cool. That is awesome. Leave it to the Canadians. Of course. They do all the cool they stuff. They do everything better up there. Also, uh, Canadian football field is five Gunther's chains long by two wide with a one Gunther chain end zone. Oh, no way. That is crazy. It's <laughs> awesome. Oh, man. I got to move to Canada. It's so much cooler up there. We know. We know. All right. Let's move on here. And, and literally cooler. Oh, and cooler. Yep. <laughs> The uh, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, best known as AGS, weekly words of wisdom. Here we go. Attention all procrastinators. Remember, putting things off until tomorrow only doubles the amount of stuff you have to do the day after tomorrow. So just do it now and avoid the extra burden. Unless, of course, you enjoy being overwhelmed. In that case, carry on procrastinating. <laughs> Guess who wrote that? Who? ChatGPT. 
<laughs> that was just God. Original chat GPT quote? Yes. I just said, give me a quote about procrastination. And this is what came <laughs> out. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. So awesome. Before we get to our guests this evening, here is this week's Bad Elf Minute. Hello, Geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, I'm a Geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. For today's POB segment, we are sticking with the explanation of some important geospatial technologies. Recently, I heard it asked, what is SBAS and WAS, and why are they important? This led me to think that it may be important to take a minute to make sure all you geoholics out there understand what these two positioning systems help do. SBAS, or Satellite-Based Augmentation Systems, and WAS, Wide Area Augmentation System, are satellites and land-based systems that enhance the accuracy of GNSS, aka Global Navigation Satellite Systems. They do this by providing real-time corrections to the positioning device. In simple terms, they improve the accuracy by reducing the errors in the radio signals, providing a more reliable location for users. This is especially important for applications where spatial precision is critical, such as in aviation and or land surveying. Especially land surveying, it often is required that location and distances have extremely precise measurement. So even a small error in the satellite signal can significantly impact the accuracy of the survey results. In some cases, SBAS can improve the accuracy of GPS signals from meters to centimeters. If you're asking, does all GNSS use SBAS and or WAS, the answer is no. The use of SBAS and WAS is optional and depends on the receiver and the application. Some GNSS receivers can receive and utilize the corrections provided by these systems, while others may not be equipped to do so. It is also possible for a GNSS receiver to get signals from both SBAS and WAS at the same time, but it is not necessarily worth it in all cases. It is worth noting, however, that some countries may have multiple SBAS and or WAS systems in place to provide coverage in different regions or to address specific needs. The availability of SBAS and WAS varies by region and may depend on factors such as availability of infrastructure, funding, and government support. Currently, SBAS has been implemented by Europe, India, Japan, Australia, and Russia. WAS has been implemented in North America. The bottom line is, Geoholics, you need to use SBAS and or WAS for your mapping and surveying projects. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. Okay. Deep breath, deep breath. Let's get into this. Let's, Let's get to our get guests this evening. Sponsored by XYHT. We have the one and only Juan, the Snow Mexican Forno. The a Snow little, Mexican. <laughs> a little bit about Juan. Before we allow him to jump in here, he grew up in uh, one of my favorite places, Calgary, Alberta. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure there's a story behind this one, but he dropped out of Thompson Rivers University after two months and then dropped out of Bow River College after one semester. I thought I was, I thought my college career was all half up. Sure. Uh, his hobbies include baseball, 
This is great. White Claw walks in fancy neighborhoods, <laughs> vinyl, and one of my favorite things, breweries. Uh, he's a cheap op- oper- operating officer for Prefinery USA Inc. He is a professional stand-up comedian and founder, president of Craft Island Entertainment Inc. Uh, big news here. Getting ready to film his debut comedy special, which will stream on Amazon Prime. I'm sure we're going to get into that more here in a second. Uh, just the second Canadian-born Latin comedian to headline a comedy club in the U.S. That is hard to believe. But holy cow, talk about a trailblazer. Uh, passionate about success, comedy, music, and being the funniest person he can be. Juan, welcome to the Geoholics, my friend. Wow, that was, thank you guys. That was the best intro I've ever received. I, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, good. <laughs> yeah, that sounded great. I learned a lot about chains and what a survey is. I'm excited to be here. This is awesome. Oh, man. You could go find some property corners right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, man. Before we get on this, we have to do the Trimble Pro Point icebreaker. Okay. To find Trimble, one of our friends of the program, go to geospatial.trimble.com. So, Juan, here is our icebreaker for this evening. If you could be any character from a TV show or movie for 24 hours, who would you be and why? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, Batman, right? Rich, Rich. Can't Black go wrong with Batman. Gets all the ladies. Yep. Uh, is, that, is that too easy? Um it's not a bad one. Yeah. I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. I'm good with Batman. How about you, Michael? Oh, on the spot, I think he took my mine there. Um, any sorry, any fictional character? Anybody, from, anybody, any character from any TV show or movie? Oh, James Bond, I think. Oh, have to be James Bond. Can't go wrong with that. How about you, Sean? Uh, what was the question? Oh, good God! <laughs> if you could be an actor from a TV show or movie for 24 hours, who would you be and why? Um, if I could be an actor or a character, character, a character, sorry, character. Yep. Um, well, just cause we were talking about it the other day, mm. I, I would just like to be Don Draper for 24 hours. Dude, you are, you have a man crush and on Don Draper. I mean, I do. I just like, you know, obviously without all the bad stuff, but yeah. all the good stuff, but I really just like that, you know, no nonsense. You know, tell them how it is and then walk into a room and, you know, yeah. do the things and then, yeah. you know, go to the bar and have 17 scotches and then show up the next morning and do it. I mean, I just, that, that 24 hour period would be a blast. <laughs> I'm going to piggyback off of uh, something I think we said. Didn't we talk about fashion last, like the crazy 80s fashion or whatever? Was that last episode? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I, so. I brought up the fact that uh, my weird fashion thing was like parachute pants and a button up with a skinny leather So you want to be MC Hammer? No, I want to be, um, Ren, played by Kevin Bacon in Footloose. Uh, okay, uh, you have to expand why. Because look at the guy. I mean, he had, he, he was he was in a small town. You know, he was a, the rebel of the town. He was dancing all over the place. You, you know? just want to be in the plot of Footloose. <laughs> yes, I just want to be that guy. I can't dance a lick, so there's nothing there. Okay, all right. Uh, I always wanted like the red hair, you know, and the skinny leather tie, and I don't know. I'm sure there's a better answer than that, but that's what I came up with. All right, Juan, let's focus on you, man. What inspired you Ken, to become a peony? Let's not blow past the fact that you just aged yourself <laughs> horrifically <laughs> while we're live streaming. Yes, yes. There, we did, had like all these cool people, and then you just want to do some line dancing in a town that says no. Yeah, That's, yeah. Just so you know, Juan, there, is, the there is a point in every show where it is very evident that Kent is 10 to 15 years older than everyone else on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just that like was it. it. We hit it quick. Yeah, we hit it quick. <laughs> 
Oh, that's awesome. So Juan, how the hell, what, what inspired you to become a comedian? Uh, it's a funny story, actually. I did not grow up thinking I was ever going to be a comedian. Uh, for most of my uh, childhood life and then early on in adolescence, I thought I was going to be a professional baseball player. Um, didn't we all? Turns out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Learned the hard way that that wasn't a realistic possibility. Um, and then I, you know, didn't really have many prospects dropped out, as you had mentioned in my phenomenal intro. <laughs> um, and I was living in my mom's undeveloped basement. Uh, I was drinking $5 Colt 45s with my two best friends playing uh, yes. Nintendo 64. Boom. And, uh, Been there. Who aged two? <laughs> yeah. Who aged two? Hey, for the record, I also <laughs> played Nintendo 64 drinking Colt, Colt 45s. That's the God. only way to do it. That's the correct process. That is, that is exactly right. Um, unbeknownst to me, the two friends that I was hanging out with at the time had uh, dabbled in something that we like to call cannabis. Mm. Oh, um, we call it that yeah. here too. Oh, cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just through conversation, I was making them laugh. And that's when my friend planted the idea in my head said, you know, you should go to an open mic and see if you can make people laugh. Oh, um, it's it's kind of stuck with me for maybe, I think it was three years from that point yeah. before I started doing it full time. And then uh, it's been a whirlwind ever since. It had to be a tough decision because like, you were crushing college, obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, the future was bright at that point for sure. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't uh, last more than a semester in community college. <laughs> so that's how you end up as a comedian, I think. Uh, that's great. That's great, Michael. I know you've dabbled a little bit in comedy. Um, what, what, what was your story behind the scenes? Well, I'm a, I'm a Rotarian, and we had a fundraiser in Lethbridge in 2019 called Ten Rotarians on the Microphone." And a local comic here, Johnny Pogo, kind of trained up people that had never done comedy before to do a five-minute set. Hmm. And that was my intro to comedy. And then coming out of COVID, I started doing open mics. And from there, at Good Times Lethbridge, here, opening for acts coming through town. And that's how I met Juan. I, we, I opened up for him. That's awesome. One night. He even got me doing a, uh, a what would you call the, what we did for Sled Island. It was kind of like a audition amongst uh, 20 other comics. I think I did pretty good, but I got some really good advice for Juan. He's, you know, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to the, the semantics and the mathematics of comedy. So learned a lot from him. Yeah. How long? I don't been... want to throw you under the bus here, Michael, but you said the wrong fucking festival, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Craft Island. Oh, that's not an hour. I did. Yeah. Uh, I say you're fired, bro. Oh, that's well, awesome. I was already fired in my defense. So. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, one, I have two questions. One, how long have you been uh, doing stand-up? Like, what? You know, when did? You, when was that first? When was that first time? Yeah, so I had six years consistently mm. now. Nice. I'm in my sixth sixth year. Yeah. Uh, my second question is. Do all the Latin-born Canadian all comics have a meetup or like a group chat or something? Like somehow you guys have to get together. No, you know what? We the, there's so there's four. I would say um, four active working professional Latin Canadian comedians in the entire world. <laughs> that, that is uh, amazing. Crazy <laughs> to me. Yeah. So, like Marino uh, Lopez is number one. Is that who you're behind? No, that he's probably number three out of the four of us, oh, okay. to be honest with you. And he's, I'm the worst by far. I want so to be Martha Chavez or somebody, I guess. Yeah, Martha Chavez and then Eddie De La Sepe. Uh, so okay. Eddie's in LA, Martha's in Toronto, Moreto's in Vancouver, and I'm in Portland. We're all over the place. Uh, the most 
we've ever had in one show was last September during the festival that Mike fucked up. Um, <laughs> the Craft Island Comedy Festival brought to you by Craft Island Entertainment. <laughs> uh, me, Martha, and Eddie did a show, and Marito, unfortunately, was at Just for Last, so we couldn't get him on. But uh, we, we don't talk. That was the first time the three of us have ever been in the same room together. Uh, yeah, we kind of go our separate ways, but we're all thriving. Uh, despite that, so that's awesome. You know what? Uh, uh, I I saw a, a a Canadian comic. Gosh, about two weeks ago. Uh, K. Trevor. What was the guy's name? From uh, Letter Kenny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. K. K. Trevor's at the top of the game, and that's that's the Canadian uh, standard right now. Is that right? Sure. K. Trevor. Oh yeah, he's he's crushing it. I mean, that yeah. show is huge. Yeah, it, yeah. Across Canada, but even you know, they're doing in the United States and. He's made a name for himself with that incredible character that he created. It's oh man, yeah, Letterkenny, love that show. Um, so funny. so, so God, yeah, speaking of that, is that uh, talk a little bit about your influences and like who's the who do you think has got the biggest impact on your style? I think right now the biggest influence would probably be a guy named Steve Hofstetter. Um, mm. He's an individual that kind of went his own path. You know, he kind of had to figure things out his own. He didn't have things handed to him. You know. Um, much like myself, he he produced his own comedy special that he just released maybe a month ago. Um, you know, Netflix and uh, Hulu and all these major streaming platforms still want to give him an opportunity. And he started, you know, building his YouTube channel. And now he's got, I think, 128 million subscribers and wow. some ridiculous. He's And now he sells out theaters. Oh my um, the other thing that I love about him is he, he talks about the politics and the tough subjects, but yep. he also sets up a Q&A at the end of every one of his shows that leads to That's incredible awesome. crowd work, which I love doing. So yeah, he, he would be the top guy for sure. That is so cool. I got so many questions. Um, so I go to like these little like comedy shows here locally where it's like, you know, I don't know, six people from the neighborhood that come out and try to do comedy. And I go there with like these expectations, like I just want a couple good laughs, you know, and they come up one by one. And, and like, some of them are like, you can tell they're just struggling, you know, and it's like, I want to find what they're doing funny. How the hell do you figure out what your, your niche is? Takes a long time. Actually, it took a long time for me. Um, I, it was more recent than anything. Um, I think, it, it's an experience thing. You know, the more shows you do, the more you kind of get a feel for it and start building out that act. It's not just um, what you think is funny. There's so much more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and being true to yourself, you know, talk about what you know. A lot of people sure. will go on stage and talk about, you know, random stuff. I never played hockey. I'm not going to make a hockey joke. You know? uh, um, once I started talking about, you know, my family and my, my um, biracial upbringing and being a Latin Canadian in America, it's it's a pretty unique um, platform, and it's and it's going all right. But it, it's just an experience thing. Eventually, it'll come if you stick to it. And you know, if you're not very good, you're not going to stick to it. I promise you that. It's right. yeah, it yep. sucks to do comedy when you're not good for a long time. <laughs> I it's got to be brutal. I couldn't imagine. Um, and you said be true to yourself. I think that's got to be the key because again, going back to these, you know, like up and coming, you know, want to be comedians and the ones that are struggling you can tell it's like forced and it's just when it's yeah. forced and not natural it just it doesn't come across right you know doesn't so does that mean you right. never made a curling joke me i oh, i'm talking to Juan. i am a curling <laughs> joke i know you are a curling <laughs> joke <laughs> hey michael's a I curler by the way michael's a curler 
I am, but I don't have any curling jokes. I got like lots of hockey jokes and baby jokes and, and I, I borrow from my own perspective. That's what I learned. It's all about perspective, right? Yeah. Um, and that way you're not worried about like, oh, did somebody else do this joke before? It was like, no, this comes from me. Yeah. Um, then you don't have, you're just authentic. And if you're authentic, you mm. don't have to try and be fake. And if you're not fake, you don't come across as trying to force. Yep. Yeah, that's true. That's, I, I'm the amateur though. Look. Yeah. Those are wise words. No, he's right. Absolutely. I mean, there's plenty of examples of people stealing jokes. And if you talk about something that's true to you, it can be stolen. But that's your story. So, yeah, that's honestly nailed it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so how do you like how would you describe your your style one? Uh, I like to talk shit. <laughs> be <laughs> the easiest, most simple way to put it. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. I. I grew up with six brothers and you know how that goes. <laughs> we talk a lot of smack and uh, I embrace it. You know, I am not afraid to give my opinion on certain matters, certain family members, certain situations that are going on. And, uh, from there, it's just, it just kind of comes naturally once I, I'm myself on stage and how I would be at, you know, family dinner with my parents and my brothers. And, yeah. So do you engage, do you, do you engage the audience a lot then during your show? I would say 50% of the show. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things to do um, is, is interact with the crowd or, or, or react to something that's happening in the room. Um, I, I love making fun of people in the audience. Uh, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it for sure. And yeah. I've never gotten beaten up after a show. So, you know, yeah. knock on wood, hopefully that doesn't change. But yeah. I do interact with the audience a lot for sure. So how do you deal with that? Let the asshole that just won't stop talking or won't stop, you know, you know, you try to engage. I don't know. How do you deal with the the hecklers? Yeah, I think it all depends on the venue. I mean, if somebody gets overboard or just, you know, doesn't get the hint, then yeah, you kick them out at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, no money back and that's, that's their loss. But most of the time, um, if the comedian's a professional, they'll know how to, you know, work around it, embarrass them, put them on the spot uh, is a really good one. Um, you know, they'll say something quick and sly, uh, but they're not used to having the spotlight on them. So follow it up and let them talk and they'll, they'll make themselves look like idiots more times than not for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Something tells me you've never had a heckler that all, all of a sudden is just waiting for the spotlight and like, Oh, thanks for calling on me. And then he's got a whole spiel. It's, <laughs> you call yeah. him out and that does it. Right. Yeah. It's reactionary. And then you put him on the spot and you're like, okay, I guess you should shut up the rest of the show. now. <laughs> what's the, do you have a, like a, what's the best story you have of you calling somebody out that really needed it? Or what's the first one that comes to mind? Uh, I'll never forget. I was very new um, to comedy. I was probably maybe only a year or two in. And it was at Good Times Comedy Club where, where Michael started out there. I don't know what her situation was. A younger girl, probably 20. Um, and just like insulting me. It wasn't even like a heckle. She was like, you're fat. I hate you. You're going to die alone. <laughs> and I was like, I hadn't God. even talked to her. Like, I did not interact uh, with the girl whatsoever. She just started. Randomly. What did you say? Like, do I know you? Uh, I mean, you got to have like, so Rocky much like Balboa body shots. Like, so much <laughs> hatred built up inside to like start throwing that shit out. I can't even imagine. I, I had no idea who she was. I thought maybe like I, I slept with her sister and never called her. The next day or something. <laughs> right. I don't, and I was a virgin when I was 20. So I don't <laughs> think that's it, man. Uh, 
but I'll, I'll never forget being in that moment, not knowing how to handle it and making sure that I was never in that situation again where the heck were one. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. She's, she's like holding the, holding the newborn baby while she's talking shit to you. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh yeah. shit, is that mine? <laughs> That is awesome. How about you, Michael? How would you describe your uh, your style? I know you're you know you're just kind of getting into it, getting oh, your momentum. I'm sarcastic, but I I'm I'm definitely self uh, self like make fun of myself and what my own situation. I yep. yeah, absolutely, and I just my own uh, situation. I know like a lot of the comics I hang out with uh, first I see on Car Christmas. They do a lot. You know, they're from more diverse perspective, and they do like a lot of LGBTQ jokes or. Uh, or racial jokes and whatnot and i just try and stay away from that but i got my own perspective like i um i guess my my rule with jokes is if somebody else from a different perspective could do it better than i could then i just stay away from it so mm. you know i make fun of the fact that i come from a german background i have a, a child i I make fun of a lot of local things. I have, you know, a lot of comics don't like to do local jokes because they can't take them on the road, but I don't have that problem because I'm just an amateur. So I, I thrive on that. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a good point. So Juan, are, is this, is this, um, I guess, secondary career? Is it, is it taking you to places you've, you've never been before? Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, when I first started out comedy, I think I had like the glimmering, light of hope but i don't think i ever could have fully anticipated or realized where it would take me you know i never thought that i would you know get to even perform in the u.s that's actually a very big deal for canadian comedians wow. most of us don't get to do that um so being able to do that and then you know having the special come out on amazon prime is you know i can't think of yeah canadians <laughs> it's not really a thing yeah um you know there's a handful of people you can probably count them on one hand where yeah. they get those kind of specials so um, I'm blessed. I'm excited. I'm, I'm super thrilled to see where it's going to continue to lead me. And did we talk about you know, that special yet? It. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, did we talk about that special? Is yeah, you, you're getting out? ready to film it, right? Here, isn't it coming up like in a week or two? No, it's out. It's out, man. Um, oh, it's uh, so. What's the 11th? I know the 11th is a date that. Uh, yeah, we're right? gonna film. Uh, we're gonna film an all crowd work special. So I'm oh, not okay, coming okay. in with any written material. Uh, mm. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. So we'll see how that goes. Who knows if it gets released? <laughs> oh my gosh! But that's gonna be like a live stream, right? Yeah, live stream, and then we, it'll it'll get released probably on YouTube um, after we're done editing and cutting it up. But yeah, um, yeah, no the the full special, the the snow Mexican special is is out right now. It's uh, available in the U.S. on Amazon Prime, um, and then in Canada on YouTube. Um, and actually, as we speak, it's about to cross the 1,000 view threshold in mm. 10 days. So it's doing okay. That's awesome. All right. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so the Snow Mexican, it seems like that was an easy nickname to come up with. But where did it come with? Uh, some, it's when I first moved to the U.S., um, somebody called me that because my name is Juan Pablo and I'm from Canada. That's awesome. um, And I <laughs> thought it was the funniest thing ever. Yeah. Um, it was in a Walmart because, you know, of course it was in a Walmart. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was. a different breed of people that go to Walmart. Not that there's anything wrong with going to Walmart, but you, you get a select individual in Everett, Washington at Walmart on the rough side of town. And, uh, yeah, they called me a snow Mexican, and I thought that was the funniest thing ever. And it just kind of grew and built from there. <laughs> so, Michael, do you have a nickname yet? 
Uh, no, I am totally an amateur. I, you know, the furthest I take anything on the road is Calgary. So <laughs> when people say it, like one, I don't, don't do this joke very often. Sometimes I start the joke about me being German. And after the show, they say, oh, you're that German guy. And that's, that's what they remember. The I, mean, I don't guy. know. Maybe that's my yeah. calling card or something. Yeah. But. But I would have to imagine it is important to be remembered for something, right? Even though you're remembered for the German guy, that's that's got to be a positive. Oh, you got you know people identify with different types of jokes. That's why you mm-hmm. got to know your crowd. Like if uh, if I'm in Medicine Hat and there's just a bunch of rednecks around, I can't really do the woke type jokes. You know, I got to pattern to yeah. what what they relate to. So you, you got to gotta gauge your audience. I think one would say the same thing. Like I'm. I'm kind of lucky because I'm down in Lethbridge, Alberta, which everybody's redneck, so I get to answer <laughs> to that. If I was in Toronto, those jokes probably wouldn't work. <laughs> That's funny. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't go around telling people you're the German guy, though. You might get confused for somebody else. You know? That's... <laughs> I threw that one in there just for you guys. Yeah. Pre-recording conversation. Oh yeah. Yeah, funny. <laughs> yeah. The what'd you say, Sean? The mounds of. Uh... No, no comment. <laughs> that was pre-show. It was so bad. It was so bad. So, like, like, Juan, what is like the low-lying fruit uh, for you know for content? I mean, obviously, you can talk all day about American politics and shit like that, but you know, like, what, what what's kind of your sweet spot? American politics. To yeah. be honest with you. it's gotta be. It's gotta be. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of jokes there. I think for me, like, it was just a, a little bit of a culture shock going from Canada and. and then moving to America. So yeah. a lot of the differences and, and, you know, comparisons between the two countries, because even though they're right there, they are very different countries. <laughs> no question. Good I'm, I'm sick of paying for healthcare down here, man. I'm already sick of it. It's only been a year. <laughs> Bullshit. The price of healthcare down here. Yeah. But if you're in Canada, if you're not an essential person, you have to wait in a long ass line to get care, right? That's a lie that they've been feeding you. Oh. <laughs> That's not. I uh, know what uh, uh, shows you've been watching, Kent. <laughs> There's only one that gets healthcare faster than everybody else, and that's hockey players. That's it. That's it. See? Yeah. That's what I mean. If you're not essential, you so, put that So your line. perspective is, in Canada, it's hockey players are the first in the line, and yes. then everyone else. So yes. you just picture all these long lines of hockey players at the hospital, and well, then no, everyone else no, has to hold wait. On. It goes hockey players, curlers. Oh, hockey players, then and curlers, then and else. then the general public. Yes. So you're waiting a couple weeks for a broken leg. <laughs> I, I I understand. I get it. And the average age of a curler is 75, so they're in there a lot. <laughs> well, it's damn near like a surveyor. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I don't know if it's allowed to be classified as a sport if the average age is seventy five anymore. Like that's that's like mm. playing cribbage. You know? if, if people argue that darts is a sport, come on. I was just talking <laughs> about that. I was just talking about that. There is like when you watch darts on on uh, on TV, like on the black market or whatever. And they Whoa, get wait, wait, so wait, wait a second. Excited. I'm sorry. Hold you're on. you're watching what? darts on the black market. You can bet on it. Well, it's on the Ocho at Newdown. Yeah, but you could just watch it on TV. Like, it's just a normal sport. Well, we can get into that conversation, but... Yeah, but my point is... Are you saying bet on darts on you, the black market? Yeah, you can bet on darts. In, in Canada, you can bet on curling. Well, on, on on my FanDuel app, I can bet on any of these things. Not curling. Not curling. Oh, Only really? during the Olympics. Only during the Olympics. Oh, okay. I can bet on whether a mouth guard falls out during a hockey game. I can bet on a sportscaster getting canceled for saying something racist, you know? Mm. You can bet on anything. <laughs> 
I am really excited about this next friend of the program, GeoSearch. They are new for 2023. Sean, tell us about GeoSearch. GeoSearch is a company specialized in geospatial recruiting and staffing services. You know what? I can't believe it's taken three years, but they are recruiters that have a passion for matching job seekers for job openings in the geospatial industry specifically, including job titles such as GIS analysts, GIS developers, liner specialists, land surveyors, as well as management and sales positions. Yeah, that's really great. They have a network of an industry contacts and a thorough understanding of the geospatial job market really allows them to efficiently connect companies with the talent that they are looking to hire. And we know that it is a competitive world right now in the geospatial uh, profession. This company offers a variety of services for both job seekers and employers, including job search assistance, resume writing, I might have to call them, and interview preparation for job seekers and employer branding and sourcing for companies. How can folks find out more? Uh, Just go to geosearch.com. But I want to go back to the uh, is it a sport or not? conversation just a little bit like our i mean i'm i'm a i don't know what whether it's a traditionalist or what but i think that all the things are sports i don't think that you can say one thing is not you're saying like oh is darts not a sport or curling not a sport or all these things are sports right well uh arguably that's that's what the conversation is is to argue (laughs) about it (laughs) For me, I think you have to have a risk of injury, and I think you have to be able to perform athletically for it to be considered a sport. Risk of injury. I like that. I like that. If you're not standing in front of the dartboard, you're probably going to be all right. I agree. I agree. I think think darts is more a skill than a sport. Yeah. I don't know. Well, but if what about a pickleball with 80 year olds playing it? I mean, it was extreme risk of injury, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's always, a sport. That yeah. is a sport. I would agree with okay. that being a sport. What about uh, indoor bowls? Have you guys seen that? Indoor bowls? Yeah. Is that a Canadian thing? It's almost like curling. No. You throw is, that the, a, is that a Midwest thing? You throw the jack. Like the, there's like this little ball. Is that the one that you kind of like roll and it yes, kind of curls? curls. That's, that's amazing. Oh, I, did, I can yeah, watch it for yeah. hours. Yeah, but whether you can watch it or not for hours does not mean it's a sport. I'm not you sorry. watch magnet fishing for hours. I mean, yeah, I love magnet fishing. fishing. So what about fishing? Is fishing a sport? Absolutely. You can get tendonitis. That's an injury. Absolutely. It's not a good one, but... It's- <laughs> <laughs> so surveying is a sport. I really wanted to go somewhere, but... Um, so what's the classic, it is a sport, but it's not? Like, I like the. I do like the risk of injury. That's definitely something that I think. But needs to someone be could. I mean, there's a risk of injury from walking down the stairs. But mm. guess what is definitely a skill and definitely not a sport. Well, what's like uh, quilting? Not a sport. Not a sport. What about? Well, we won't go down that. Path. I would bet on quilting though. If you set up a couple of cameras in a retirement home. I want to know who's going to finish that quilt. See, I, I, you I, think, some insider I think information that's got about, about as much viewership uh, uh, potential as curling. Like somebody, if they're going to well, finish that quilt or... That's not a very high bar, <laughs> unfortunately. That, my point earlier was there are so many people at these dart events or so many people at these like indoor bowl events, cheese rolling, for God's sakes. People love this shit. Nobody likes curling. Well, Canadians I'll tell you curling. right now, Canadians do love curling when the Olympics roll around. Canadians will go to a bar at 7 a.m. and get shit-faced and watch curling. Yeah. yeah. So is it, will you go to a bar at 7 a.m. to get shit-faced to watch it? 
Does that determine a sport? <laughs> that could be, that that could could be, be the be on there sport. as well, yeah. Mm, I don't know. Like, lumber sports are pretty extreme. You can get hurt. That's. I would argue that's all definitely a sport, but you're not going to go to a bar at 7 a.m. to watch lumber sports. <sighs> to make it into a drinking game, I might. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I completely want to watch it at 7 a.m. I got to chase the standard. <laughs> can you make it a drinking game? Maybe that's something that you can make chess well, you can make it. You can make anything a drinking game. So, all right. Nix that. Edit that out. Not good. Um, <laughs> t- t- terrible comment. Yeah. But there's got to be a score, right? For it to be a sport, there has to you be a score. You have to have a definite winner or loser. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. There has to be a score. So is there anything that we consider that's a sport that doesn't have a score or a winner or a loser? Well, ballroom dancing was an Olympic trial sport. Is that really a sport? Mm, no. You guys are throwing out some crazy deep cuts. <laughs> that's not a sport, I don't think. Cheese rolling is a sport. It was in the Olympics. Is it? So it's not a sport, but it was in the Olympics. Well, yeah, but well, wasn't he- there a bunch of crazy stuff in the Olympics that, like, wasn't art? An Olympic event. Well, yeah, like that's a long time ago. It's like I got a gold swimming. medal in arts. The swimming, yeah, the swimming thing. You know, when they what do they call it? Synchronized swimming. Synchronized swimming. Oh, that's totally a sport. Oh, good god! Definitely a risk of injury. It definitely takes a lot of skill to do. There's no difference between that and ballroom dancing. I'm with Sean on this one. Synchronized mm, swimming is definitely no. A sport. I think there definitely is. No. Why? Why? Because you have to hold your breath. Is that the only difference? There is a you lot more to. Okay, the, there's a lot more that. to that sport than holding your breath. Flipping your legs back. So and you're forth. saying rhythmic gymnastic is is not a sport. <laughs> not a sport. Mm. Not a sport. I think it meets Damn. every single it's totally, criteria. It's totally subjective. I think it meets every single criteria no, that we it's set subjective. here. Subjective. It's subjective. If you're not doing something to score something, how can it be a sport? If you're not doing something to score, you mean if there's like judges that score you? No, that's subjective. Okay, well then, well, all, that, skating, that is right? a lot of stuff right? that you just said is not sport. Figure skating shouldn't be a sport; it's subjective. Uh, what about like ski jumping? Totally a sport. It, but it, that's it is completely subjective <laughs> because you get scores. Yeah, but you're what about freaking ev- flying the entire X in the air? Every Xbox, there's a measurement. Xbox, every X Games event, Games. there's a measurement. Half yeah, pipe. half pipe snowboarding. <clears throat> oh, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one. It's oh man, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I just don't <laughs> think that we should be in a position to say something is or is not a sport. Hmm. If if Grandma Jones wants to call quilting a sport, then it's a damn sport. Hey, I suppose. Juan, come on, man. You're, you're holding back on us here. What, what's your take on this? My take is we He's cracking off. up. He's like, these guys are idiots. <laughs> yeah, you guys are a bunch of idiots. <laughs> If it doesn't involve a ball, it's not a sport. Oh, <laughs> I've, I've heard that as well. Yes. Or, or, or a rock or stone. Oh, or, or a stone. stone. <laughs> or a puck. Or a puck. Or a puck. Anything <laughs> round. It has to have something round. It has to have something round. Well, no, then football. football. Then football. <laughs> I mean, it's technically round, round one way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And that you get into like. Great conversation. Javelin and. Yeah, but. Well, hell, running for that matter. Running? Mm, measurable, Porter, not a measurable. How about that? It's got to be measurable. Well, no. Granny Jones can, <laughs> can finish that quilt in one hour, not that. two. That's measurable. I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, good lord. Um, where do you where do you want to go next? Uh, I want to talk. You guys want to talk about religion? <laughs> want, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sean's got a good religion oh. joke. He just won't share it. Yeah. <laughs> 
can keep those for before the show. Uh, I want to talk to Juan a little bit more about, you know, the role of comedy and kind of what he's doing. How do you, how do you get content? How do you stay relevant? And, you know, are you just rolling out the same snowman jokes every week or what, you know, what are you doing to, to keep it lively and how do you, how do you get some new content? Yeah, it's, you know, that's a thing that I, I think a lot of people don't realize, um, how often jokes happen, which is not very often. Mm. So if you're working on five minutes material at a time, that could be six months worth of work right there just to get that five minutes right. Wow. Um, so, you know, constantly pumping out content is incredibly difficult. Um, I think that's one thing that plays into doing the crowd work where it's always different. There's different audience members. Um, makes it a little bit easier. But, you know, the last special, like the Snow Mexican special that I put out, that was five years worth of work. And part of that obviously is learning how to, how to perfect the art and get the base knowledge down for sure. But I write maybe a joke a month, maybe a joke a month. Oh um, my God. And get it insane. to the point where I want it to be. That's crazy. I, so let, let me ask you guys and, and Michael, I'm asking you the same question just because somebody's a funny person. Like I consider myself a funny person for the most part. Oh, that's sweet. But I'm not a comedian. <laughs> I am not a comedian. Just because somebody's funny doesn't mean they can be a comedian. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Medi comedy is not, is you're not bored with it. This is my opinion. And this, you know, one might disagree with me, but, um, <laughs> It's a it's a mathematical equation. Like there are certain laugh triggers mm. that work. Like if you're going to get up there and something that amongst you and your friends you think is a funny story, you're just going to get up there and tell it. Well, that's inside baseball. That's not going to work very well. You have to have incongruity. You have to surprise somebody with the content. You have to flip the idea on their head. You have to build in these these triggers. Yeah, I mean, comedy is a formula, honestly. It's a formula, but there's going to be people that are funny off stage. There's going to be people funny on stage. And I find the ones that make it are the ones that can do both. Uh, and the that's a small content, list. Yeah, the current content stuff is hard to do. Like, there's jokes that I think, oh, that's hilarious. And then I can tell that joke for two weeks and then it's irrelevant. Mm. Like, say there, there's uh, people throwing tomato juice at a uh, Monet or, uh, vegetables of Van Gogh. So, you know, somebody starts throwing vegetables at me on stage. It's just because I'm a fucking masterpiece. You know? <clears throat> well, I had a great joke for like a month and then it's irrelevant. <laughs> and you got to yeah. start over again. But you so, got to find jokes without timestamps on them, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So I just looked up the word incongruity. We, we do call out people that make up words. I thought on Michael for sure made up that word. <laughs> uh, the state of being incongruous or out of keeping Okay. An example is the incongruity of his fleshy face and skinny body disturbed her. That is disturbing. Uh, that is disturbing. Well, you, you just take two dissimilar ideas and you make them similar. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. Like, and you, it's good to leave the audience thinking what's going on. Like, if I said, well, maybe this won't work on a podcast in Arizona, but there's, I'm in the Mormon belt down here in Lethbridge. I'll say, you know, I didn't know that Darth Vader was Mormon. No? what's what's going on there everybody's like oh well what you know you're leaving an open question and you say well because when he died his special underwear kept him alive and they gave him his own planet yeah you know and you can work on that and um direct misdirect them like saying well i know what mormons will say that you know that you don't really get your own planet when you die but come on the death star is basically a planet right <laughs> you know you just go somewhere else with it 
that's so interesting. Are we allowed to put Michael on mute for a five minute timeout for bad jokes? Is that something that this podcast? That might be a terrible joke. Done. Done. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just giving you a hard time. You even said it would work on a podcast. (laughs) You set yourself up for failure. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm the amateur here. (laughs) We'll edit that out. Uh, It's so funny. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think about all the different comedians that I've seen live and it's just so interesting to me, the different styles of comedy. Like I can think of this one guy, I can't think of his name, but he was just like this, like really soft spoken, depressed kind of guy, you know, like this really dry humor and some people got it. Some people did not And then right. you got like, you know, Joe Rogan. I was lucky, lucky enough to see Joe, Joe Rogan here a few Wait months a ago. Wait a second. You're a Joe Rogan fan? Monster Joe Rogan. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. You never mentioned big, that every, big, every big, episode. Big. Like, you have a man crush on uh, Don Draper. I'm a uh, Joe Rogan man crush. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe saying that will get him on the show. I don't know. And they say if you manifest it. Let's do it. You manifest Don Draper. <laughs> yeah. I'll manifest Joe Rogan. See which one happens yeah. first. <laughs> I think I have a better chance than Don Draper. But, but hey, you know what? I was manifesting Juan Forno, and look what happened. We got Juan Forno. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, clearly. It was, it's amazing it was how that because happens. because of that. Yeah. yeah. Joe Rogan's going to want to follow my footsteps, guaranteed. <laughs> Do you like the Joe Rogan style of uh, comedy, or is that not your bag? Yeah, I don't I don't mind it. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't watch a lot of comedians nowadays. Yeah. Um, I... It, doing comedy almost every night i mean you watch so much comedy to begin with but i also find that when i watch those pros these guys that are you know at the top of the game it makes it difficult for me not to have my own unique thoughts i can these guys are doing it at the top and i just can't separate or differentiate the two once i start writing my Uh, own that's interesting i never thought about that that makes perfect sense makes perfect sense it's so tough to have your own line of thought if you watch a ton of comedy yeah, it's makes it very difficult. Yeah, because I mean, you have to you have to somehow figure out a way to differentiate yourself. Yeah, huh. yeah, exactly. Um, it was you know what when I realized that it was I basically told a Burt Kreischer joke, um, <sighs> not even realizing that it was it. You know, I had performed the joke a couple times and got laughs, and then I went back and watched that special because he's one of my favorite comedians, and I was like, holy shit, mm. I didn't even realize, but this is definitely a stolen joke for that, sure it was stolen. that happens all the time it's hard to you know go, i do that sometimes you google your joke you're like this is a great joke and we google it and you're like ah huh. oh, crap this is like so generic that jim gaffigan did it you know like yeah well can't you guys just use chat gpt to start writing jokes i tried that it doesn't work very well really <laughs> i i just heard about this and so maybe we're gonna try to <laughs> give it a shot well, first of all it gives like this disclaimer that like oh not everybody finds this stuff funny yeah. wherever else and like yeah if you write chat, chat GBT, write me a joke, it'll say like, oh, why did the bicycle fall down? Because it was too tired. Oh, oh, it just gives you, you like yeah, yeah. groaners. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So is there like a, like, I don't know, a comedian mafia? Like, hey, you, you stop copying this guy type thing. I mean, is there something like that out there? Or is there like a, a fraternity of comedians type thing? If you're in the mafia, you don't tell people you're in the mafia. So you're not going to answer my question. <laughs> no, there is. Uh, it's a very, very, very well policed uh, community. Interesting. So if somebody thinks you're stealing, it's gonna get out. Really? Sure. Yeah, somebody will cut up video to prove it. Um, people will blast you publicly on Facebook. You can't get away with much. Well, it wasn't even like the Ch- everybody's calling out Chelsea Handler about stealing jokes. 
Wow. The, even at the top level, right? Yeah, there's plenty. Uh, Dane Cook, uh, really? Amy Schumer, Carlos Mencia. Amy Schumer, yeah, Amy Schumer's a big one. Crazy. Yeah. I, heard, I heard Carlos Mencia. Crazy. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love local jokes because nobody can tell me that I stole them because no one's going to joke about Lethbridge at the top level. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure the <laughs> Mor- Mor- Mormon Star Wars category is probably open for you there, too. This Michael. town is like 50% Mormon. That joke kills here. Good <laughs> watch. It's terrible. <laughs> is there really that much, that many Mormon up there? Oh, it's like sec- the, the second temple ever built was in Cardston in southern Alberta. Just southern I Alberta. had no idea. I had no oh, idea. Yeah. I thought it was a Mesa. You guys are going to lose all your YouTube. You are Utah uh, listeners from this episode. <laughs> yeah, we're huge you know, in Utah. They have a good, Mormons have a good <laughs> sense of humor. Come on. I, I went to the Book of Mormon, like the Broadway show, and the Mormon church was advertising in the like in the playbill. Like, hey, they have no, a good sense of humor. There's no such thing as bad publicity. That's what they say. That's what they say. Exactly. Exactly. So what else? What are you excited about, Juan? What am I excited about? Yeah. Hey, what's upcoming? What, what are you pumped about? Question. Oh, man. Um, I'm excited about big boobies. I don't know how to answer that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yeah. It's like a blessing and a curse. If you're a boob guy, it is a blessing yeah. and a curse. Um, no, I'm excited to just keep seeing where, where things are going to lead. Uh, I'm excited for the, you know, the special that's out to keep growing. I'm excited to record this new one and hopefully uh, – it goes well, man. Are you nervous? Uh, no, I was way more nervous for the first one than I am for this one. Really? Yeah, I can just go up there and talk. Yeah. You know, I don't have to worry about, yeah, I just be myself. So, yeah. How, so how long, how long do you suspect uh, this next uh, special may go? I mean, like, do you go out there like, okay, I got an hour to kill or how, how do you prepare for something like that? Especially when you know that a, you know, large percentage of your, your act is, uh, you know, interactive with the audience. Yeah. I mean, the goal is to essentially do an hour, um, and then from it back. So we'll, we'll be on stage for an hour and then we need to come up with at least 30 minutes of that. Be good enough to put up, gotcha. um, over overshoot. And then that way you'll have enough content for, for the end product because <laughs> yeah. there's going to be stuff that you know doesn't always land or it's it's no good or you yeah. know maybe it was just a little too over the top yeah um that can't happen so or if you're you know. if you're as good as one you might just start doing crowd work and then crowd all of a sudden work. you're 20 minutes into your set and you know yeah. then you're going through your material yeah yeah it does happen so do you like um these are random questions now i'm thinking about like you know like if you're in a band you have a set list like taped to the floor do you kind of do you do anything like that just as like uh, as a reminder or triggers for you? Like, do you tape something to the floor or write it on your hand or something? Uh, just kind of keep you on track. I think a lot of comedians do do that. Uh, really? I'm not one that does. You know, I'll have really in my mind when I do shows, I know what joke I'm going to close with, and I know what joke I'm going to open with, and then everything else is up for interpretation at that point. Um, I know I got you know maybe two hours worth of material that I can pull from. Yeah. Um, but it really all depends on, on how things are going and, and reacting to the situation. You know, yeah. every audience is different. So, um, you know, if they're not into the crowd work, then I can lean more into that material. Or if, you know, I notice something in the audience and somebody's easy to pick on, then we yeah. can play off that and, and see how people react to it. And then yeah. if it's good, we can 
do that, you know. At the end of the day, um, I think something that comedians overlook so often is the fact that you're an entertainer. Your job is to entertain the audience. You don't necessarily have to be funny and get seven laughs every 30 seconds. You know, that's not a bad thing, but at the end of the day, you want to make sure people were entertained when you were at, when they were at your show. Yeah. You know, you entertain them, you'll be all right. Interesting. And it seems like when, like when you go to comedy shows, you know, the, 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 the comedian kind of gets in a groove, right? And he's like, laugh. It's almost like a rhythm type thing. And it almost gets to the point where people are laughing at something the comedian says, even though it's really not that funny. Yeah, yeah. You I mean, know what I've I mean? experienced that, yeah. But you're it's just, like, you're in a rhythm you're, you're of laughing. It, and like, this guy could just, <laughs> yes. you know, tell you know tell me his grandmother died and fart, and then yeah. I'm just dying laughing. Because somehow yeah. everything he says is funny now. Because yeah. he's, he's got me hooked, you know? Maybe that's when you know you made it. I have no idea. Yeah. Those are the grooves and the rhythms you're uh, looking for. Yeah, it's absolutely where you know, especially once you're more of a student of the of the art form, you'll you'll start watching people and be like, "Why the fuck are people laughing at this? Like, this isn't even a joke." Interesting. What is happening here? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you. It's, yeah. Juan is more of a professional than a lot of the comedians that work. Like when when I was at the Craft Island Comedy Festival. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. Is that an actual festival or is that one you're making up? No, no, it's no, the Craft the Island one. Comedy Festival. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. yeah. But he even said, like, okay, you're going up five minutes as a showcase. And if you can't make five minutes, well, then you're not a professional. If you have notes in front of you, you're not a professional. You should mm. at least be able to do that, right? Wow. There are minimum standards. And I think that's why Wad's doing so well is because there's naturally talented comedians out there, but they don't have a work ethic. And so the guys with the work ethic really rise to the top. Interesting. So, you know, you hear a lot of stories like, you know, comedians back in the day. um, I mean, there was a lot of problems like drugs and alcohol abuse and stuff like that. Is that still part of the the culture? For sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think alcohol is the easiest one because, you know, it's it's so easy and accessible. Right. You know. You're going out to open mics Monday to Thursday and you, you have a beer and you have two beers and you're hanging out with your buddies that you see every night. And then you do your shows and you have a couple beers there and it can really, really start to viral and, and become a negative for sure. Mm. Um, I think you kind of have to set those limits and, and realize that you're still working, you know, yeah. especially when you get up to yeah. the point where people are paying you. It's, it's a job and you need to be a professional. Um, mm. I know when I first started out, I needed alcohol to get over the stage fright. And then Interesting. I started to fall into that where, you know, I was going out, you know, four or five, six nights a week doing comedy, but drinking two, three, four uh, beers at the bar every night just because that's what you do when you go to the bar. That's what I was used to. Um, yeah. And yeah, you got to set those limits for sure. I'm not somebody that's ever been into drugs, but um, yeah, that's also a thing for sure that yeah. people do. Yeah. Well, now, I mean, because of the, you know, like designer drugs, what have you, the hallucinogenics that in a lot of cases bring out creativity in people. And you hear stories about comedians taking these type drugs to, uh, um, you know, maximize inspiration. their creativity. Yes, mm. exactly. Yeah, you know what I find, and even just conversations recently with other comedians, so many people think that that is going to help, and they do it and they get used to it, and then yeah. they get off of it, and they're like, "Oh shit, I was wrong." Like I'm way more clear now mm. than yeah. if I was using. Well, I mean, I think the big difference is like one saying he's like six months working on five minutes of material. Yeah, that's like, crazy. That's, that's crazy. not one of those. Yeah. It, it, it's not the case where you know, yeah. you, you, you 
smoke a joint and all of a sudden you've got a, a, a special's worth of material <laughs> that just pours out of you and that's all your work for that year. Like, it's just not, not how that works. Yeah. Well, that, I, that's a really good point. I mean, Juan, do you think that, I mean, can, can you be trained to be a comedian or is it something? Ooh, that's a good question. Like, yeah. Either you have it or you don't. I mean, what does that look like? Just go yeah, ahead and shut, shut Kent's uh, dreams down right now. No, I don't want to be a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my dream. It's not my dream. No, I know I uh, can never do it. I, I wasn't funny when I first started out. It's it's something that you can absolutely learn with practice. Interesting. For sure. mm, absolutely. Interesting. You got some other good questions in here. I I, I love this one. Uh, if you could tell, if you hold, could, hold on a second. One second. Okay. 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 I, you know I, where I, I'm going, right? No, I don't. But okay. I I have to full disclosure. Yeah. Every question on this list. Yeah. Guess where it came from? Chat GPT. Bingo. Okay. Well, speaking of that, <laughs> speaking of that, uh, I did ask Chat GPT to tell me a Canadian Latino joke. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. And Hopefully it's good. Uh, we'll find no, out. it's not because it says, I'm sorry, but I cannot generate or respond with <laughs> jokes that promote harmful stereotypes or derogatory comments about any particular group of people, including Canadian Latinx uh, individuals. No, you, you should have said, said. said, it, it says Latinx. Me, and it said Latinx, not me. And it also says humor should be respectful and inoffensive to all. That's dumb. That is dumb right there. It should be well, offensive to everybody. I think that's I'm a good... at a loss for words. <laughs> I'll just say that I think humor is a way for society to move forward. Like right now I can make a joke about women's suffrage and that'd be fine, but a hundred years ago that probably wouldn't be fine. And you know, I can make a joke about the uh, the LGBTQ community. I think we've come far enough that, you know, that's that's okay because society is accepting of that community. Mm. Maybe I can't make a joke about transgender individuals. Maybe I can't make a joke about why? Um you know, yeah, I completely times, like, disagree. Gun, gun violence. Well, I, I can, but it, you know, people are getting offended. But I think when we get to the point where it's more acceptable in society than we've actually moved forward in society, you know, it, I it, think it, means, if you look ahead. at uh, there's there's plenty of examples, but I think if the joke is funny enough, you'll be fine. There's no topic off limits, and there's mm. no topic that it's too. Soon. I was yeah, I was just gonna say, but if you're yeah. Taking that risk, it better fucking be funny, because or else. I've been told that, right. like, oh, the joke's got to be more racist or more funny than it is racist or whatever else. But it's, yeah, it's a fine line, and you know, maybe I'm more uh, condescending or condescending, condescending of that because you know I'm a straight white guy telling jokes, so I'm more careful about what I say. <laughs> <laughs> So you're saying you disagree with the uh, humor should be respectful and inoffensive to all. Uh, yeah. I just don't no, even I, think, like, yeah. tell me a joke that is respectful and inoffensive to all. You should have said, tell me a joke about the snow Mexican. That says, tell me a lame <laughs> yeah. joke. It's got to be so inoffensive. I am certain there is another snow Mexican out there that is super offended by that joke. Oh, God. Give me a break. Give Again, a there's break. a whole community of snow Mexicans that, that meet and they have they ha they have groups. I think oh, there's, 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 a, there's a community of snow like Mexicans. Right yeah. Oh, I'm, so, I'm certain of it. Oh, like Eskimos? <laughs> I, need, I need the support group. No, guys, that, that is it. offensive. <laughs> Oh God! You um, find that support group and send me the link. I'm gonna go to regular weekly meetings. <laughs> regular weekly meetings. Uh, so oh, the the great. question I was originally gonna ask there was, <laughs> if you could only tell jokes about one subject for the rest of your career, what would it be? 
have an answer. Being Latin Canadian. Being Latin Canadian for sure. Is it that unique? It's unique and you got a big pool to, to pull from? Yeah, and I mean, it's a little bit different being in Arizona. I can't wait to do comedy down there. Uh, oh, dude, I can tell you. There'll be a shoe in here. I can tell you. <laughs> Latin comedian comedy will crush it here. You're sell out the... Uh, <laughs> I mean, United Center. What? No, what do we have over here? I don't even. Know. I, but I actually, and this is an interesting topic. But I think of all the states in the in, in the United States, I think Arizona probably has the largest population of both Latin Easy. and Canadian. Don't offend anybody. <laughs> but think about it. Like you have the like. Where, what other area is going to have the biggest combination of Canadians and? Well, people from Florida. Latin descent. This time of year. This time of year. This time of year. Yes, yes. Because yes, all, all the, the Canadian snow, the snowbirds are down. down here. Yeah, I've been telling you, but you got all the snowbirds down. Yeah, and then we already have a great Latin population as is. Like, yeah. man, I'm telling you, Juan, you would crush it here. Yeah. So we got to bring Juan we, down a year from now, sponsored by the Geoholics. Oh yeah, and have a Geoholics comedy festival. Do it. Yes, Let's absolutely. Do it. absolutely. Let's Sean's do wheels are turning. If I can get his wheels turning. We'll make some shit happen. It's it's like uh, I, I've accomplished something. I never realized the marketing opportunity Arizona held, but now now that we're I mean, think about it. I mean, you're spending all my winters down there, <laughs> right? <now. laughs> yes, exactly. I think we're on to something here. Oh, boys. that's good stuff. I think we're on. To I would something. have had a completely different answer for that. Go for it, man. Dick jokes, they land everywhere. Which Every one? Media's <laughs> got a good dick joke. A dick joke? Absolutely. If you're in trouble and nobody, nothing's landing, and you're like, "Oh God, I lost the audience," you tell a dick joke, and it all comes around. too easy. Oh, I gotcha. It's like the same fallback. I'm with you. Safety net. Safety yeah. net. <clears throat> always fall back on dick jokes. I do that at work. It, it always kills. How's that work for you? Always kills. Yeah, like we're in our in our manager's it's the best way to wrap up a manager meeting. In our manager's meeting, it's getting boring and Just fucking man, drop a dick joke. Good of the order. Slip in a dick joke. <laughs> Oh, human oh. resources loves cannabis. <laughs> so so that is why we have one. <laughs> uh, I'm God. I could say so much more, but I, I know you it. could. But it's a family show. <laughs> oh, late. Hey, Kent. Tell us about one of the OG friends of the program, Safety Apparel. Oh, my gosh, Safety Apparel and Matthew Stansbury. They have been with the Geoholics from day one. And in addition to that, they have reinvented Safety Apparel for surveyors with the highest quality materials and most functional and versatile vests the safety industry has ever seen. Man, they really have. Safety Apparel offers ANSI CSA compliant, high visibility surveying construction vest and reflective traffic control gloves, hats, stickers, and patches. In addition, they will provide you with company logos and other designs on vests, shirts, jackets, etc. And Safety Apparel is also introducing the newest member of the Party Chief family, the Summer Yellow Class 3, with zip-off sleeves for Class 2 and Class 3 compatibility. Check them out at safetyapparel.us and send them an email at info at safetyapparel.us with your needs specifically, and they will do their best to get you headed in the right direction. Mm. All right, well, I, I got you, another one. Yeah, Check go it. You got another good one. Yeah. If you could only use one word in your comedy routine for a whole month, what word would you choose and how would you make it funny? Mm. That's a tough Mike, one. Mike, I'll let you go first. Dick. His the answer oh, is yeah, dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got it. For a whole month. Like, you could do that for maybe like 30 seconds. Like, you come up with something just so ridiculous that people think, oh, my God. 
What would I come up with? I can't. I'm going to get canceled for something. I don't know. You just say flipper babies like 30 times. Flipper people babies. People start laughing. Oh, God. You know, something just ridiculous. Yeah. But but it goes to what you were you saying before, right? Like, yeah. it, like you could, if you really like have Bart the audience Simpson going, you could it. say anything and make it funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think comedians are in such a unique position. And when I say that, what I mean is it's like they can bridge the gap between acceptable and what's not acceptable and get away with it. Yeah, I think that's a great question just to really hammer home how big um, delivery is, right? It's all about how you deliver a joke. You could tell the funniest joke ever and not deliver it right, and nobody would laugh. So, yeah, I mean, that's a a great question and a great point. Mine would be the F word for sure. I could say that very funny in multiple ways, and it's always my fallback crutch. So, So that's the only word you can say. So you're gonna do a five minute set. That's the only thing you can say. Do you think fun? Is he that? saying fun? Is that what he means by the F word? I just want to say fun. Finagle. 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 Wait, now, is that a P word? Forno. Forno. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually pretty good. Oh god, that's awesome. There's a lot you can work with. Uh, there is a lot you can work with. <laughs> oh gosh, it's so funny. Um, so, like, how do you like? What are what are your maybe you asked this already? What are your, what are your current influences? One, yeah, like I said, Steve Hofstetter is a big one. Um, I grew up watching, you know, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, uh, oh, yeah. George Lopez. Yep, um, list goes on and on. Um, before I I was a comedian, I liked to watch a lot of comedy. So uh, I and I really liked to watch Dane Cook. It's funny, I loved Dane Cook. It was the first show I ever went to. He sold out uh, the Saddle Dome in Calgary. And now watching his comedy, like listening back to that special and listening to the stuff I had on my MP3 player, yeah. is so bad. That's so funny. <laughs> what What did you think when uh, Will Smith uh, uh, accosted Chris Rock? Yeah, that was a big thing in the comedy community. Um, Horrible. It was w- weird to yeah. be. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Like, obviously, there's this guy that's going through a lot with his yeah. public. Marriage. Keep your wife's name out your fucking mouth or whatever you said. I don't know. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was crazy, but. Uh, the whole thing seems weird. It, 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 it's too it's weird so to. Weird. Yeah, there's too much going on there. Yeah. Drugs. Had but, to be drugs. <laughs> just I will say, that. I will say, I saw Chris Rock um, back in December. He was touring or is touring, maybe yeah. still with Dave Chappelle. Um, oh, so I went man. to see them in awesome. Seattle. And uh, he talked about that incident, and it was hilarious. I heard the same thing because he was be he awesome. was here with Dave Chappelle. Uh, I didn't go, but uh, my buddy Ted did, and he, oh, wow. he he said, yeah, he <coughs> talked about it, and yeah. it was the best part of the show. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I would have to agree. And like, yeah, they had a bunch of special guests, and even like Dave's set, like Chris talking about that was the funniest part for me for sure. But isn't that the sign of like a like a really good comedian is you can take something like that and then turn it around into pure gold stuff. Like, like we were just talking about any topic, you know, they can just take the worst topic ever and easily turn it into five minutes of of gold. Yeah. I think it goes back to, um, especially when you get to that point where you're famous and people know who you are, it's what people want to hear you talk about, right? It's such a major news plot there was memes and it was all over social media like people want to go pay tickets to see chris roth talk about the situation so now he's being entertaining and Mm -hmm. i think that's what elevated how funny it was 
Yeah. Uh, he's going back to the George Carlin quote. I think everybody knows this in the comedy world is take the shit that pisses you off and make it funny. So mm. if someone slaps you on stage, you're going to jump all over that. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so I'm circling back. I'm kind of going backwards here, which I hate when Sean does that. Um, but um, <laughs> so like what in all reality, what would it take for you to come to Arizona and uh, and do a show? Money. Let's book it. Yeah. Just, nothing. It? Literally nothing. I'm in. Let's do it right now. Wow. Let's there's find a venue. something. There's something. I just got to make financial sense. Honestly, we'll pick a Saturday. I'll fly out. Yeah. We'll sell tickets. And away yeah. we go. We got to do it, man. Oh my god! I am so excited. I get a direct right? flight from Lethbridge to Tucson for eighty nine bucks on Flair right now. We oh, well, that's exactly well, it. Oh, like, Michael it's can easy open. Easy to get to Arizona. Oh my god! Well, it's Tucson though. You still have to pick me up, Michael. You got to open for him. Where Where in Arizona are you guys? We're in Phoenix. Oh yeah, I could get to Phoenix for like less than a hundred bucks. <sighs> we are on to something. That sounds like that sounds oh very god. doable. Sean, are your wheels spinning? Oh yes, yes, yes they are. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited right now. This is awesome. No, you um, just got to get us to open for like uh, a Trimble. What, what's the Las Vegas show? Uh the Dimensions. Yeah, just eh, you can get some go to a lot of shows. Yeah, just, a lot of money. just, just get one to fly down. We'll get. We'll just gather up all the guys that are into surveying and Canadian stuff and Mexican and Mexican stuff. Well, you know, it could be any any anywhere <laughs> south of the United States. Uh, you know that combo. I'm sure there's four or five people that are into that. At and, least, yeah. At least, I think there's something. I think we're onto something. I think we really think are onto something. something. So, Juan, how do you uh, how do you balance your personal life with, I guess, one, your full time job, and two, uh, your uh, your passion for comedy? Uh, I don't. <laughs> what is balance? <laughs> it's it's tough, man. I like it's it's really really tough. Um, I do a lot of comedy work while I'm at the office, which I probably shouldn't say while I'm at the office. Uh, I, uh, it does help that I just moved to a new city. Um, I don't really know anybody here, so it kind of keeps me focused and Mm. keeps me grounded. And then I can, um, when I travel back home or, or on tour with friends, that kind of gives me an opportunity to, to put in that quality time for those relationships. But I'm a single guy who's enjoying what he's doing and, and live a pretty, pretty, uh, lucky life right now yeah so. don't beat around the bush we're all envious we would <laughs> we would if we had the skill set and you're you know all the things you got going we'd do yeah. it in a heartbeat for sure talk about yeah. touring like how much uh how much touring are you doing right now uh so i toured full-time uh last september and october mm. um haven't been doing a whole lot of touring that was kind of wrapping up and prepping for filming that snow mexican special um i took most of november and december off to be honest with you i needed to decompress after putting in you know two three four open mics a night and wow tons yeah. of shows Talk, tons how of is time. how is that like i mean i'm sure as you just said it's it's got to be taxing on you but like tell tell me a little bit about i mean what is it like doing four open mics a night and that night after night mm. and how do you stay funny uh, on the fourth one how do you stay funny <laughs> yeah that's a great question. No, the, the fourth one is always the funniest because i like to go into those situations mm. working on like one joke like 30 seconds maybe a minute um and you got four cracks at it so you're going to learn something from every single time you say it and by that fourth time it's actually going to come out pretty good oh that's uh, yeah it's cool that's true it's kind of the way to look at it um and by that by the time you get to the fourth one like i said when you're going to these open mics you're on beer three four 
Yeah. Sometimes five. Right. You right. Know, depending on how bad the open mics are. And so, yeah, yeah no, it, it gets funnier and easier as you go, in sure. my opinion. But. So, do you see, like, I mean, I, I loved Eddie Murphy, of course. And uh, again, here's the point in the show where you're dating yourself because all the stand up <laughs> comedians we think about, and you think about the guy from the early 80s. I saw him. Awesome I saw him live actually. He played I went to Southern Illinois University. He played at on campus. Really? Yes. Yeah. What what's a big he play? thing actually that for comedians. It was oh yeah, campuses, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what like what um what about you know comedians doing doing movies? Is that something like is that something you aspire to do or you're just kinda happy doing what you're doing right now? Um, I don't know. I thought about it for sure. Um, I've never really tried to act. Maybe I could do it. Maybe not. Um, I'm not going to totally close the book on it. Um, but I know a lot of comedians, you know, make that jump and never go back. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would be able to do that. I, I a lot of comedians get into comedy to become actors and that's kind of a pathway mm-hmm. into it. For me, I, I love doing comedy. That's, yeah. Yeah. you know, my, my happy place is on stage. So I don't think I could give that up, but I wouldn't be opposed to acting into stuff. You can kind of tell like a guy like Andrew Fogner, like I, I guess Americans don't know these names, but they're, they're using comedy as a stepping stone to try and get an acting job. Right. And then there's mm-hmm. other pure comedians and it's a completely different approach. Yeah. I don't even see Andrew Fung as like a stand up comedian. I know he wins all like the Calgary choice awards for comedy, but he's mm-hmm. an actor in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So you're not working on the uh, Snow Mexican movie script or, as we speak. Yeah, that's no, that's great not name. in the works. No, that's not in the works. <laughs> great name for a movie. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Trademark <laughs> that. Trademark that for yeah. sure. I, you know, you know, if I said I saw Richard Pryor, then I would be aging myself. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Uh oh. I mean, I'll, I'll also on, go. But he's got some me. No, I've not seen Richard Pryor. No. Eddie oh, Murphy is as far but back. You definitely as I go. had an opportunity to. <laughs> I probably did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's so funny. Oh, you know who I did see though. I saw uh, Paulie Shore. <laughs> does does anybody stand with Phil Stiller? Does anybody know who Paulie Shore is? Yeah. Yes. From MTV. MTV. I thought you were just say something like Groucho Marx. The long-haired guy. Oh God, he played on campus too. Paulie Shore. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. Paulie Shore gets a lot of hate, but I loved Encino Man. To be honest, dude, Encino Man was an awesome movie. Yes. It really was. So good. Now you laugh at me. Uh, <laughs> so funny. Yes. So, like, uh, and, and Michael, I'll let you go first on this one. What advice might you give to an aspiring comedian? Oh, keeping in mind, I'm just the amateur. I know um, that's why I want you to go first. Yeah. Well, first, the first thing I want to say is practice. But I mean, before you practice, you have to have material, right? Yeah. So it's. Just watch some videos. Like, I don't want to throw too many names out there. Like, um, Jerry Corley's one that I watched a lot of, you know, how-to comedy videos on. And hmm. once you have five minutes of material, it doesn't matter if you think it's good or not, just get out there and practice. Like, if you can hit open mics, get in front of people, get more in tune with your stage presence. Like, once you have the five minutes of material, it becomes more about being able to deliver it and working on those skills. Like, that's always... Uh, the material came easy to me. I... I'm still struggling with the delivery and the stage presence. So that's, that's where I've, I've been working hard at yeah, to get better. But yeah, I mean, if you get up there and you suck, you're not going to be sticking around very long. Like Juan said, like, um, so if you're, 
around after a few open mics and you're still trying it, you still love it, then, you know, it's a passion. You keep on going at it and you just, it's a learning. You just got to keep on learning and keep on working at it. Yep. That's awesome. So Michael, if, if we uh, have you and Juan come to Arizona for this comedy show, we're putting the comedy extravaganza, <laughs> the geoholics comedy extravaganza. No, hold on a second. Wait, take write, one this step down. Further. write this down. The geoholics comedy showcase. If you call it extravaganza, you pay us double. Featuring one snow Mexican forno as the main event. The headliner? Headliner. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, Michael, if that is the case, you're going to have to come up with a shit ton of surveyor jokes. Not that that's hard to do, but that will be your task. Well, tell, mm. telling the, telling these jokes, they might be offensive, but it's just like putting a monument in the ground, right? Like, <laughs> they just might cause offense. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Oh, uh, well said. Well Notice said. that we're not laughing. Yeah, no, I agree with them 100%. <laughs> so, Juan, how about you? What, what advice would you give to aspiring comedians? Yeah, I'll give you a generic answer and then a not-so generic answer. The first one is something that probably every professional comedian will say to an amateur, and that's uh, just get on stage and do it. You know, you're going to find out if you love it or not pretty quickly if you're yeah. doing it routinely. Um, and that's a good way to weed out whether or not it's for you. Um, yeah. Just get on stage. That's how you're going to learn. You know, you're not going to become a good comedian if you're not getting up and, and doing the three minutes. Yeah. In the U.S., it sucks, Michael. You get two to three minutes at open mics. You know, back home in Canada, you get five minutes because there's less people. But, yeah, get up and do your time, and you'll figure it out. Um, the not-so-basic answer that probably 95% of comedians won't tell you is to bet on yourself. Um, most people want to control of you most people want to you know uh what is you what do you call that guardian or um they they was be the overseer gatekeeper. yeah gatekeeper gatekeeping yeah. is such a normal thing but you know this is an industry where if you bet on yourself and you find a way nobody can get in your way you know mm. you want to headline a show go rent a venue you know nobody's gonna say no to you <laughs> renting a venue and selling your own tickets well you, know, you, if, you can do that because you know how to work yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like a lot of people aren't willing to take those risks and, yeah. and and bet on themselves. But at the end of the day, you know, nobody was lining up to give me a comedy special, so I said, "Screw it, I'll go film it myself and then figure out how to distribute it." You know, yeah. and I, I believed in myself and believed that it was funny enough, and sure enough, it ended up on a major streaming platform in the United yeah. States. And yeah. there's maybe 10, 10 Canadian comedians active right now that's though. awesome i could say that so cool so cool How, and, and to and, both of you guys i'm going off topic here just a little bit but um talk about the importance of like pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone oh 100 that's why I, that's where i got the drive for it i i love doing things that i suck at if that makes sense yep. like i want to get better i'm a terrible public speaker i'm getting much better through comedy that's part of my drive you yep. know, I know I'm, I'm never going to be Juan Forno. I'm never going to be Norm MacDonald. Like, We're not with that attitude. It, why not? <laughs> well, I can strive, but I I realize there's limitations to my own abilities. Like, I didn't start out being an okay public speaker. I started out sucking at it, and I'm getting better all the time. Maybe I will one day, but I have such a passion for being a surveyor that, you know, it just takes away from my comedy time, I guess. <laughs> and besides, Kent, you're saying – you. That I'm going to open. I'm not going to open. I'm going to be a middle guy. You're going to open for this thing. Oh my god, Ooh, that'd be amazing. That would be amazing. <laughs> I, you know uh, what? Would... Talk about outside your comfort zone. <sighs> I would love to do it just because I would be so uncomfortable. I would love to watch it because you would. No, be you're so going to be up on stage with me. It'd be you and me. It'll be like a duet. 
Yeah, oh. you guys should probably host this thing. We're gonna do it. We, we are should. We should actually this. host oh this. We would host the shit out of this. You thing. have no idea. I am not gonna sleep for like a week because <laughs> I am so excited about pulling this thing together. Uh, how about you, Juan? Like putting yourself outside your comfort zone—is that something you do commonly? Uh, I wouldn't say it's as common now, but um, you know, outside of my comfort zone, it's taking those chances. You know, like I just said, with Take you know, self-producing my own, uh, self-producing my own comedy special and and, and starting the the comedy festival up in Canada that Michael the uh, craft Island comedy festival, <laughs> best comedy festival this side of Toronto. Bro, I so didn't realize plus. that. I didn't realize <laughs> that Juan started it and he butchered the name at the beginning. That's even funnier. It's, it's, yeah. It's my company, my festival. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> the craft Island comedy festival. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was a, it was a situation where I had a booker that I didn't see eye to eye on and uh, he threatened essentially my comedy career and said, you know, if I, if I crossed him, I would never have a career in comedy. And I said, all right, fuck you. I'm going to go do my own thing and uh, started my own company and started my own festival. And he is not in comedy right now. Really (laughs) doing anything. So, well, I mean, but yeah, at the same time, amazing. though, I mean, you went outside your comfort zone to make that decision. That's huge. Mm-hmm. You're like, screw you. I'm doing it. and I'm doing it my way. Well, how do you know that making that decision is outside his comfort zone? Maybe that is what he's good at. No, it was very outside my comfort zone. Oh, okay. I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> there were a lot of hiccups in the road on that one, but uh, we figured it out. And, you know, we're going into year three of that now. And yeah. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, whether if you want it bad enough, he'll do it. Yeah. All right. It's kind of true that the comedy industry, from what I found, I'm not deep in it, but it's a little backstabby, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's it's a situation where, you know, um, it breeds um, poor mental health and it breeds maybe people that are not – very comfortable in society it's it's the outcasts a lot of the times and so interesting um especially in an an environment i found it was way worse in canada because there's so many fewer opportunities for comedians you know there's so many fewer podcasts to be on shows to be on clubs to headline um it's just not the same culture in canada as it is in the u.s and that that leads to people trying to one-up each other and you know make sure that they get that spot instead of somebody else. And it's mm. pretty quick to throw somebody under the bus for that reason. You know, it's pretty cutthroat. And wow. That's just the nature of the business, especially in Canada. And that's not to say that's not the case in the U S it, it is for sure, but sure. there is a lot more opportunity in the U S and it's less um, competitive for sure. Especially in Arizona. Oh, oh, man. You'd be a trailblazer. <laughs> no question. Hey man, if, if we get off this chat and I don't have an email from you guys in the next two weeks with a plan in action, <laughs> Two weeks or two minutes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's already drafted, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's work out the date. Let's go. Oh, we're doing it, man. Trust me. Trust All me. right, man. This has been a lot of fun. I got to ask the question I ask everybody, uh, especially every guest. Juan, uh, do you have a mantra that you live by? Let Michael go first. Okay, Michael, you can go first. Oh, I've already done this one. My mantra is do it now. <sighs> if there's something to do, if, if you're wondering if you're procrastinating like the best time to do anything is do it now if you see something on vacation that you think you'd like to buy like buy it now you're gonna regret it if you don't do it oh. the worst thing can happen i, I, I tell t- my t- wife this it. all the time uh-huh. i want that yeah yeah well, it ties right into <laughs> she your doesn't uh, say buy it now for some reason if you i did. didn't have that mentality i wouldn't even have any amateur comedy experience because it's awesome 
yes man you know i just yeah that's awesome ties right that's into totally your uh, quote of the day too. My, yeah the chat gpt the quote chat, of the day <laughs> they're not a sponsor <laughs> <laughs> we have given them so much plug. Oh, uh, what about you, Juan? Yeah, I think it ties back into what I just said. Bet on yourself. It doesn't matter if it's comedy yeah. or not. I always say bet on yourself. That's uh, one of the good ones that uh, my father in love has told me. Same thing. I it's, love that one. That's good advice. So, okay, before we let you guys get out of here, first of all, thank you for your time. Juan, this has been amazing. We are now going to have a Geoholics yeah. comedy special as a result. Um, what... What what are the important things we need to know? One, <clears throat> I know you have a your spe, your special out now. You got something coming up on the eleventh. Just refresh everybody's uh, memory and also how folks can connect with you. Yeah, definitely. So uh, YouTube and uh, Instagram are my big ones. You can follow me at Juan Forno Comedy, uh, J U A N F O R N O. If you forget how to spell it, uh, Juan is one of the most common. Latin names out there and porno is spelled exactly like porno, but with an F. Mm. Uh, it's that easy. Um, so yeah, follow me on Instagram, follow me on, uh, YouTube. Um, the special is out on Amazon prime. Uh, Juan porno is still Mexican. Uh, so you can go straight to prime. You can go to my Instagram bio. All my links are there. That'll also take you to, um, the ticket link for, uh, the crowd work live stream coming up on February 11th. We're filming that in Portland, Oregon at the curious comedy theater. So uh, if you're in Portland by chance, I can't imagine you are listening to a surveyor podcast in Arizona. <laughs> you, you never know. You never know. Wait, wait, wait. So Juan, how about uh, free tickets for geoholics listeners? Uh, if it was me controlling the tickets, <laughs> I, I would say yes. But the, the theater may have other thoughts about that. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Great. How about Michael? You got any shows coming up? Oh, me, uh, it's whatever. I get called in as a backup when people don't show up for a show. There you that's go. That's why I met Juan. There you go. There you go. But, yeah, so my, my shows are just at Good Times Comedy Club, downtown Lethbridge. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, if there's anybody listening to Michael right now, check out Good Times Comedy Club. It was actually the first comedy club that ever let me headline. So, so cool. I have a soft place in my heart for, for Good Times, and uh, I'm actually going to be there April 21st and 22nd headlining again. Oh, nice. Oh, that's awesome. That is cool. Hey, maybe we'll see you there. You never know. Hell, hell yeah, make oh, the trip. Yeah, there's a um, – I'll tell you something offline. All right. <laughs> he's, he's about to say it's right next to the strip club right, that you yeah. always go to, but yeah, we'll, no, I, we'll take well, that off. Okay, what I was going to say is Brett Butts here April 23rd. Oh my gosh. Well, hey guys, thanks both of you for yeah, being it's been here. A blast. It's been a blast. Michael, thanks for setting this up. Uh, it's been great. Yeah, it was right. a lot of fun. Thanks for having me guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Juan. You won. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's awesome adding value and making friends once again <laughs> just, just just wrap it up buddy <laughs> oh my god this is so <laughs> awesome on stoner version of Jorge turn it up let's do this adding value and making friends once again if anyone would like to be a guest at a future show shoot us an email at info at thegeoholics.com we're booking into the second quarter if you can imagine that. yeah booking in April Lumineers Jorge Available everywhere. Version. Until next time, be sure to check out our funniest new best friend, Mr. Juan Forno, on all social media outlets. According to Juan, bet on yourself. Take some chances. Heck yeah. Most importantly, 
eat some mushrooms. <laughs> and be, be safe, safe and healthy. And healthy. <laughs>